Welcome back to the Going Coastal podcast, the podcast of the Students and New Professionals chapter of the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association and hosted by the American Shoreline Podcast Network. I'm one of your co-hosts, John Miller. And I'm also one of your co-hosts, Marissa Torres. And today we're joined by two of the ASBPA student award winners, Brennan Banks and Delaney Duran. Brennan is currently an ocean engineering graduate student at Florida Institute of Technology and was the recipient of the Coastal Student Advocate Award at the recently completed ASBPA National Coastal Conference. And Delaney is a graduate student at Texas A&M University in Galveston and was the recipient of the Nicholas Krauss Coastal Scholar Award. So first of all, I'd like to congratulate uh, Brennan and Delaney um, and welcome you guys to the show. Thanks for having us. I'm really excited to be here today. Hi, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, welcome to the show. I think one of the ways that we, one of the first things that we always do on every show is, is to try to get to know our guests a little bit, uh, very informal manner, very open-ended question, just ask you a little bit about your your background, anything about your education, where you are, how you got where you are, whatever, um, what, your, what pets you have, I don't, something that just, you know, gets, lets us uh, know a little bit about you. So why don't we start with Delaney? Why don't we, why don't we get to know you first? Yeah, okay. Um, like you said earlier, my name is Delaney, and um, I'm currently a PhD student at Texas A&M studying ocean engineering. I got my undergrad from the University of Delaware, and that was in environmental engineering, so a little bit of a switch up right now. And then um, I guess a fun fact about me is that I'm a triathlete, so I enjoy swimming, biking, running, and putting those all together and seeing how it comes out. So you're not quite sane is what you're telling us. Yeah, that's like that's like the other way of saying that, exactly. Okay. But it's, it's fun. You get a little little endorphin rush out of it it's a good time but like how many triathlons have you competed in uh i think at least 10 i actually just did one on saturday so um it was my first triathlon in texas it went really well i got second in my age group i was super excited about that um but yeah i'd say i'd say at least at least 10 but i'm really not quite sure wow congrats that's super rad thank you thanks Cool. Very cool. Well, Brendan, you got a lot to follow up on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So again, my name is Brendan. I just graduated from Florida Tech in May with my Bachelor of Science in Ocean Engineering. And I'm back at Florida Tech this year uh, for my Master's of Science in Ocean Engineering with a specialization in coastal engineering and processes. And I'm originally from Columbia, Maryland. And I Decided to come to Florida Tech um, to study engineering and play lacrosse at a competitive level. So we're a Division two school here. Um, certainly missing the student athlete life, but I had a great four years and we we definitely had had some success on the field. So very very cool. So two two uh, the two of you are uh, I guess very committed in to more than just your studies, which is great to see. I have a lot of. A lot of my former, a lot of my current and former students are are athletes as well. So, I appreciate the dedic- the ability to dedicate to both the academic uh, and the outside pursuits as well. So, congrats on that for both of you. We try. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, yeah. So one thing that I'd like to, I guess, delve into a little bit deeper is that we we often say that. Um, those of us who do coastal stuff, coastal engineering, coastal policy, coastal, whatever, 
um, really find it rewarding. But sometimes we we wonder why there's not more people that want to do what we do. So how did you guys, I guess, find ocean or coastal engineering? Because it is somewhat of a niche uh, field. So again, we'll start with, with Delaney and uh, why don't you give that one a shot? Um, yeah, this, this might be kind of a long answer. Uh, it took me a while to find coastal engineering. So in high school, I participated in this, um, like a governor's school program for a couple of kids in the state of Pennsylvania. And I got really interested in sea level rise. And at that point, it was a global studies, international relations, kind of like public policy focused program. So I enjoyed coming at sea level rise issues from that aspect. And, um, one day we watched this documentary. It was called, uh, oh, I don't remember, but it was about the people of Taku, a little atoll. And essentially with sea level rise, their whole entire community was just flooded and they were trying to get relocated. But it was really difficult trying to figure out the policy. And then some of the locals didn't want to stay, didn't want to leave because that was their culture. So that really kind of opened my eyes. And then I entered school and I really wanted to come at this problem from an international relations standpoint. Um, so I did um, political science as my major and I really liked it, but then I felt like I wasn't getting into the material enough. So I switched to public policy, kind of the same thing. I did economics for a little bit. And then finally I found environmental engineering and I liked that. I felt like I could stick with that. I was coming up with like hands-on solutions to problems. And then I had a really great professor um, my senior year, Dr. Jack Paleo, and he runs the University of Delaware Center for Applied Coastal Research. And so I met with him and talked with him about my interest. And then later that summer, he let me join his lab and he runs such cool experiments there. I got to tag along on some field research for nature and natural based features. And then I also got to help out with some munitions testing in our wave flume. And that was kind of the start, like the tip of the iceberg for me. But I'd say it took me a while. But once I got into undergrad research and I talked with Dr. Paleo and a couple of grad students, I was definitely hooked on coastal. Wow. That's a really cool story. And it's, it's actually funny. Uh, you know, a lot of my students actually come from sort of a more environmental background as well. And then they, they sort of eventually find their way to coastal engineering. And as luck would have it, I actually was a graduate school contemporary of uh, Jack Paleo. So I was, we went to, we were at grad school together at UF for a bit. So I know him very well. So I'm sure you were in good hands. Yeah. He runs a great program down there at Delaware. So. Oh, very cool. Yeah, he really does. He's got a great, great mentorship. Great. He has a really good way of keeping his students engaged and excited. So I was really lucky to be able to work with him for a little bit. And you really can't beat the field work on the beach or in the marsh, either or. Nope. <laughs> All of that hands-on experience. Well, that sounds like a fun trajectory. So when did, at what point did you get involved with ASPPA? Yeah, that was also a little bit of a meander. So part of my intro to Coastal, I um, got, I contacted Maura Boswell, who is now my mentor, but she's very involved with ASPPA. She kind of encouraged it. And I was like, well, let me like kind of wait a sec. Let me feel it out. And then this summer I went to work at the U.S. Engineering Research and Development Center, URDIC. And actually that's where I met Brennan. And Brennan is very involved in ASBPA. So that was kind of like another person telling me I should get involved. Um, and then my uh, our boss at URDIC told us that it was a great thing to be involved with. So I was like, okay, 
let me look into this. Let me see. And I kind of went through the webpage. And honestly, I listened to a couple podcasts too. And I was like, okay, this sounds really cool. Let me join. And Brennan was really influential with that. And I reached out to a couple other people and they kind of all had nothing but good things to say about ASPPA. Nice. How fun. So one thing I'm figuring out, Marissa, is that I've been around way too long because I also went to grad school with Maura Boswell. So <laughs> it's the it's the the Gator Mafia. It's it's all it's the Gator Mafia. Go Gators. You're really dating yourself right now. I feel like coastal is such a small field too. Almost everyone knows everyone or is somehow related through grad school or professors. So just a tiny world. Yeah, and I think that I actually think that I that's one of the things that I enjoy about it. And it's actually one of the downsides. And we'll talk more about the national conference, I think, in a, in a little bit. But uh, unfortunately, I was unable to to attend the ASBPA conference uh, this year. But catching up with all of those uh, former colleagues, current colleagues, former students, current students, um, you know, is the saddest part about missing the uh, the conference was not having that opportunity. But I think, Brendan, we want to give you a chance as well um, to kind of tackle those questions. So uh, how did how did you get involved in Ocean and Coastal? Sure. So it's a great question. I kind of similar to Delaney was very interested in the environmental, just science part of things um, early on in high school. Um, very heavily influenced by my dad, who's a uh, mechanical engineer and environmental policy maker at EPA. So been having long, long conversations with him about just, you know, the way the government works with respect to environmental projects for, for years now. And, um, was very interested in it, um, you know, junior and senior year of high school. And so when I started getting recruited by different colleges for, to play lacrosse, I, I knew I wanted to do either environmental science or some type, some t- uh, sort of environmental engineering. And, um, there was really only a couple of schools that, would allow me to you know play lacrosse at a high level and, and still study a STEM major. Um, Florida Tech was one of those schools, and I think the only school that was south of Maryland, which was a big factor for me as well. So I decided to do ocean engineering at Florida Tech. Um, really didn't know too much about coastal or really any of the different concentrations in, in ocean engineering. It was kind of a shot in the dark, but pretty early on into our intro to ocean engineering class, the first semester, we had a guest lecture, um, Dr. Irene Watts, who has been a great uh, help for me over the last couple of years. And as soon as I heard her presentation on coastal engineering, I was like, yes, that that is exactly what I want to do. Um, she actually is the person who got me in touch with uh, folks over at ASBPA uh, that year. And since then, I've been a part. And um, yeah, it's been great. That's awesome. It's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's great to hear that. And, you know, at the same time, it's a little bit, um, uh, you know, I guess I'm familiar having a, having a daughter who's into athletics. I know the, and being recruited somewhat by some schools for basketball, it's kind of, kind of sad that they don't want you to tackle something tough, like a STEM major and do athletics at the same time, because, you know, obviously clearly you made it work, right? You made it work for you. So I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, they try to push you, I think, more towards the easier stuff. That's it's kind of sad, actually. I think Florida Tech is pretty unique, though. Um, there, there's quite a lot of us. Uh, I mean, being a technical school and you know having competitive athletic programs, there's there's certainly a lot of us. I think I did the math a couple of years ago. I I want to say over fifty percent of my team was some sort of STEM major. So 
we have a decent <laughs> uh, team GPA, not the highest on campus, but we do we do pretty well. So like with that, with the you know combining, you're going to school, you're doing a STEM major, and but you're also an athlete. So Delaney, when did you start getting into like triathlon type things? And it's did you were you on like a swim team or the cross country team? kind of thing in undergrad and how for both of you you know how did you balance doing both uh through an undergrad and now through a grad program um yeah so i was a member of my school's it's our university of delaware triathlon club team because for women in the ncaa triathlon is not officially a sanctioned sport we just actually hit 40 teams that are now supported in their D1 programs or D- D1, 2, or 3. So we're trying to get it to be an official uh, official NCAA sport. But at my school, it was a club sport. So that made it a lot easier. We still had daily practices, sometimes two a day. But like it was a little more flexible if you had a class or if you had something going on. If you missed one practice, it wasn't the end of the world. So my, my experience was probably much easier than Brennan's. Um, it was kind of more on me and how much work I wanted to put into it. And time management was definitely definitely an issue sometimes, um, but I got the hang of it pretty quickly. I think I had a great, um, I had a really great coach for my first couple of years and he was really helpful in helping me figure out how to balance workouts and hard sessions with like tough days and stress of school and long class days and so my coach was really helpful and then I'm just I'm really competitive and I know the only way you get better is practice so I tried to dedicate a good chunk of my time to make sure that I was still competitive in races. Nice and and Brennan for you the lacrosse and and school? I think pretty similar to Delaney like it the time management aspect was was really everything but for me coming in, you know, freshman year, like we had set study hours um, that we had to complete every week or we couldn't practice or couldn't play in games. So they were definitely strict on us. But again, it, it was very helpful to have, you know, a high amount of my teammates be STEM STEM majors. And um, certainly we had a couple of ocean engineers as well. And my one of my best friends and roommate, he's a ocean engineer as well. So we had to go through, you know, everything together. But He's doing great. He's up at um, the Naval Warfare Center in Bethesda now, so super proud of him and trying to trying to help out all the young uh, ocean engineers on the team now. But they'll they'll be all right. So, would you say that the time management skills that you learned practicing, you know, in your team sports, those interpersonal relationship skills, building mentorships with coaches, and having that um, kind of framework, that groundwork? Would that tra- did that translate into your academic pursuits, into your internship experiences, into your work and beyond? So I think that with triathlon, you definitely need time management because you have such long workouts and you sometimes have two a day. And then triathlon, most people don't think about it because it seems like an individual sport, but it's really a team thing. Like you need to get your team excited about everything. You need to make sure you guys are all accountable and I think this really translated for me in some of my classes, but especially with uh, lab projects, lab classes, and also our senior design. Um, my senior year, we had to, uh, they, they gave us a site on campus. It was like a hypothetical project. And my group was the environmental group. So we had to design a groundwater treatment system for this site 
from measuring contaminant levels to designing the entire system and a couple of backup pieces and doing soil remediation, then writing it all up, making sure we knew what permits we needed and stuff like that. So it was a big project. And I think time management and pacing really came into this project because I know with triathlon, you don't want to start all out sprint. You kind of want to make sure you have a good pace that you can maintain throughout the semester or throughout the race. And um, with this project, we had to have a good pace going through it or else we weren't going to finish our work. And then the other thing was getting my team excited. So I was actually our project team lead and I definitely had to work to get us excited sometimes because this project was so complicated. Um, but I think my my triathlon skills with pacing and time management really helped us figure it out, get it together. And we turned in a really great project at the end of the year. Yeah, very, very cool. So uh, I wanted to, I, I do want to talk a little bit uh, about, well, a couple of things. Um, I guess first thing, maybe let's talk a little bit about the experience that you both had this this summer or over the summer at the, at Erdic. Um, it sounds like the two of you first met each other there. So um, that sounds like a, a really interesting experience. So uh, Brandon, why don't you uh, let us know what that was about? Sure. So interning at Erdic uh, was an absolutely amazing experience. Um, Delaney and I were office mates in the coastal engineering branch of the coastal and hydraulics lab. So that's where we first met. Um, I actually got in contact with CHL at the ASPPA conference in New Orleans last last fall. So great, <laughs> great experience. And I was really appreciative of you know the opportunities ASPPA has, has given me outside of um, the organization itself, but I worked on some really cool projects this summer, um, including the Sand Snap uh, initiative with Dr. Brian McFall. Um, I know a ton of ASPPA conference attendees participated in a couple of dis- uh, demonstrations throughout the week. But if you're listening and you're not familiar with it, I really encourage you to look into Sand Snap. It's a citizen science um, initiative that just about anyone can participate in, and will have some great benefits for the Corps Civil Works mission and. Also got to work on a beneficial use of dredge material project, which is another huge mission the Corps is, is dedicated to. So I really enjoyed conducting research, and I'm still pretty amazed by the magnitude of, of Erdic's projects, but it was a cool experience for sure, and looking forward to staying in contact, um, working, with, working with them on my thesis, and moving forward. You know, if you ever want to... If you're ever uh, wave numerical modeling curious, just, um, you know, we can talk. <laughs> we will. We will for sure. And Delaney, what about your work with at Erdic? Yeah, so kind of to echo Brennan, I love my time at Erdic. Um, I didn't find out that I was going to end up at Erdic this summer in Vicksburg until about the second or third week of May. So then I had about two weeks to pack and get down to Vicksburg. But I loved my experience. Brennan was my office mate. We had a blast together. I got to work on some really cool projects. I think when I came in, they were like, yeah, no more than two or three. I think I ended up working on somewhere close to like six or seven. I was really ambitious this summer. Um, my, my goal going into it was just to get as much experience in as many areas as possible because I'm so new to coastal research. And so my first project that I got to work on was using the Core Shoaling Analysis Tool, or CSAT. So I calculated shoaling rates for Savannah Harbor and I think Brunswick, then got to put a, put together a little deliverable for those dis- that district. So that was really interesting. 
And then I worked on another project where we did, um, we used trail cameras and tried to use an optical flow algorithm to detect motion. So that was kind of like a pilot study. And we kind of determined that our water was too clear for that method to work with clear water, but it might work with more sediment heavy water, which is where the camera was supposed to be implemented. Um, I also got to work on some field or physical modeling with mangroves, which there's a really cool experiment going on right now. Um, they're kind of trying to study the inertial effect that the trunks have, um, the mangrove roots have in, in wave attenuation. So uh, myself and another intern this summer, Sydney, we got to go out and play in the hangar and run a bunch of big waves. Uh, our boss came up with a little dance for it. We had a great time. And then I also, I'm really interested in uh, EWN, NNBF, and I got to meet Amanda Tradinger, who is, a, I think, an assistant program manager, and I think she's so cool. I was so excited to meet her, and she, I was really fortunate. She pulled me onto a couple of her projects, so I got to dive into some numerical modeling, and I just had a great time. I also, I think I met Marissa on a Zoom for FunWave. There was like a little fun wave workshop and I think she was teaching parts of it and I joined for one day, but I got sidetracked with work the next day. But I just really liked that there were so many opportunities to learn and dive into different aspects of coastal. Yes, for sure. Coastal is a wide field. I think like in general, ocean engineering is such a broad field of engineering. I always liken it to... Um, you know, we're ocean engineering is all of the other engineering disciplines, and then you throw it in the ocean and try to solve those exact same problems. Like, good luck. <laughs> so it just kind of like complicates things. So I'm excited that, you know, both of you guys had such an amazing opportunity at Erdic. Of listeners out there, in case you forgot, I'm also at Erdic, but I sit at the Cold Regions Lab, but I do do a lot of coastal uh, work down there at the Coastal Hydraulics Lab. And Delaney, you're right, Amanda Tridinger. Amanda's amazing. She's a rock star. We've had her on this podcast before. Always excited to have her here. Um, but also, yeah, both of you, you know, if you want to chat numerical wave modeling, you know, just uh, hit me up later. Always fun to talk about engineering with nature or NMBF. Uh, it's one of those things that I, as when I started, it, it wasn't really so much of a thing, certainly not in the Northeast. Um, and then just kind of got pulled in that direction. And there's so many cool things, you know, whether it's mangroves or reefs or coral reefs or oyster reefs. Um, so really cool that you got a chance to jump into some of those uh, projects there. So I guess that leads into perhaps with all these different experiences that you've had, um, what some of your current research involves. Um, are they, is it related to some of the stuff that you worked at at Erdic or uh, something brand new? So, um, Brennan, what about you? So I am about five weeks into working on my thesis project. Um, I'll be using the CORE's BeachFX model, um, which is a engineering economic uh, model that essentially takes a beach profile through a 50-year life cycle and uh, kind of goes through the you know economic um, benefit-to-cost ratio of performing a, a nourishment project. So super excited about it. Um, I know I'll be using the model pretty heavily once I graduate and I'm at the Jacksonville district. So it's very, very exciting to get my hands on it this early. 
Very cool. What about you? What about you, Delaney? Yeah. So um, I, like I said earlier, I'm a PhD student. I came in and I know kind of what direction I want to go in, but we don't have a set project yet. So right now I'm doing a bunch of lit review and my goal is to try to find some research gaps in NMBF with applications to shoreline protection during storms. So if anyone knows of some gaps or places I could look into, please hit me up, send me any papers you think I might find interesting or anything at all. I'm happy to look at anything. Um, but the, I think that's my eventual goal. And then I know I want to kind of, similar to Brennan, I want to work with Erdic on this and I'm in Galveston. So hopefully the Galveston district as well. I'm going to have to connect you with one of my PhD students who's also working on NMBF and is interested in wave attenuation characteristics of different types of structures and what might happen with sea level rise. Um, I'm on board for that. Yeah, that would be amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. Okay, so I will digress real quick. Side story. I go to ASBPA National Coastal Conference. John, I'm sorry you couldn't be there, but going there, um, sitting at the S&P table it's, it's almost like a homecoming because, again, coastal engineering is such a relatively small field that the National Coastal Conference just kind of feels like a reunion every year where we get to see all of everybody who's everybody in coastal engineering, really, uh, who has a chance to go there, as well as the up-and-coming students. Um, this was my first conference post COVID, and I say post very loosely, um, but first in-person conference since 2020, and we did, we started the podcast in, what, was it 2021? 2021, so it's, we, we interviewed so many people, I go to this national conference, and then just so many people just come up and are like, oh yeah, I listen to the podcast, like, oh, your voice sounds familiar, and it was just so like it was nice. It was cute, right? Like being able to actually tangibly like meet people who have listened to uh, the podcast before and uh, meeting people in person who I had who we had interviewed and uh, like never actually saw each other face to face. So that was super rewarding. Um, but being at the coastal conference, um, just, you know, digressing there. Uh, I actually totally forgot where I was going with that little side story. Uh, We'll bring it back. But going to the conference, meeting all these people, and then what we just went through, listening through um, Delaney and Brennan's background, uh, that brings us to the awards that they won at the National Coastal Conference. So Brennan won the Student Coastal Advocate Award. Um, and it's given to a graduate or undergraduate student. In this case, Brennan is a graduate student who aspires to advance his or her knowledge uh, or his knowledge, sorry, of and experience in coastal federal coastal policy and advocacy through an internship with ASPPA. So, Brennan, do you want to tell me about your experience that led you to being nominated and eventually winning this award? Of course. So I was originally um, encouraged to to apply for the award by um, by Nick, and uh, this is I got awarded last year. So this is officially my second year. So super excited to continue my work. But the award was an amazing experience. You know, one of ASPPA's core missions is to merge science and public policy and 
the Government Affairs Committee does a great job of addressing that by giving legislation and funding updates to our members and also by soliciting feedback to share experiences and lessons learned with different agencies. Um, as the Coastal Advocate um, Award winner and Government Affairs Committee intern, my main role is to participate in our monthly meeting calls and keep meeting minutes, but I also get to do some really cool side projects throughout the year. Um, for example, last year I had had the opportunity to draft ASBPA's letter of support for the Water Resources and Development Act WERDA of 2022. So that was, was really cool. It's It's been very eye opening of, you know, to just the policy realm. And it's, I feel like it's a lot of, you know, behind the curtain scene of the projects that, that we have going on in the field. It's really cool too. Also, you know, when you talked earlier about how you were originally sort of interested in this whole, you know, policy side of things, and now it kind of comes full circle. And I think your perspective is one that I appreciate because not everybody is, has the ability to or is willing to merge those two fields. I think it's, um, you know, it's 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 unfortunate that a lot of really great scientists don't uh, either communicate it well or um, don't really have the interest interest in seeing their really good science turn into really good public policy. Um, and so a lot gets lost in the, in the middle there. So I think it's really important to have, uh, you know, specifically young people like yourself that have that ability, have that interest, that want to see good science become good policy, because we would, I think we'll all agree we'd be a lot better off if if all policy was based on good science. Um, so I guess we'll, I guess that leads into uh, Delaney's uh, award. So Delaney won the Nicholas Krauss Coastal Scholar Award. Um, have had the pleasure of, had the pleasure of meeting Nick Krauss many times uh, when I was a student. Um, just an amazing individual. Uh, it's great that we have an award that's named after him. Um, so Delaney, what, uh, what, what, how did you end up applying for the Coastal Scholar Award and kind of what, what I think attributes do you think led you to being named the Coastal Scholar? Uh, yeah, so like I said, my intro to ASBPA kind of happened over the summer. And then in searching the website, I saw that they had these awards and I was like, well, being a member of like one of these committees would be a great way to get involved. And I initially talked to my mentor, Mora, and I was like, Mora, this looks really cool. This looks like a great opportunity. Should I apply? And she was like, no, I would hold off. Maybe wait till you have some experience. And I was like, okay, that's fair. Um, and then I talked to Brennan a little bit about it. And I talked to my roommate slash lab mate slash classmate who is at A&M with me. She was a previous uh, award winner a couple years ago. And I asked her opinion and she said it can't hurt to try and to go for it. And so um I looked into the position a little bit and I ultimately decided on science and tech because I agree with you, John. I think that policy and science are should definitely be married together. They need to go together if we're going to have adequate sea level protection and um, stuff like that. But I was really trying to get in the science side of things. I think that's where my talents go better. Um, Brennan's a great advocate, so I think this award was perfect for him. I feel like I can kind of convey policy, but I'm so much better with math. So that's why I decided on the science and tech, the Nick Krauss Coastal Scholar Award. And um, 
I don't I don't know why I got it. I guess they liked my application. Um, but I'm really happy and we have our next meeting on the 13th, I think. So um, I'm looking forward to that, kind of learning more about my role. I think it's similar to Brennan in that I'll be taking some meeting notes, meeting some new people, and I'm just really excited to see what direction the committee is going to go in this year. Very, very cool. So uh, so while we're on the topic of the uh, National Coastal Conference, I think I want to touch on something when I, when I asked, uh, you know, I had my group had, I think, four students go to the National Conference as well as one of my colleagues and you know, when I asked them when they came back, I said, you know, well, tell me about the conference. How was it? What did you see? What did you hear? And, you know, they came back and they were actually raving about one of the lunchtime speakers. And then it just so happened that when I spoke with Marissa on her first call after the conference and followed up with her, you know, she had a similar, uh, similar response. And so it, for those of you who, who did not have the uh, ability to attend the ASBPA uh, conference, the lunchtime speaker, one of the topics that he he touched on or focused on was really diversity. Um, and it's something that uh, for me, uh, as, as, a, as a white male in the field of coastal engineering, kind of hits a little bit uh, close. It makes me, um, you know, I've, I've had, you know, I, I feel like when I look around at the, the coastal world, whether it's policy management, engineering, um, you know, certainly we have a more diverse group when it comes to gender than a lot of other branches of engineering. Um, but beyond that, we really don't have as much. And so I guess really given that focus um, from the National Conference, I wanted to give you both a chance, um, you know, to talk about um, your experiences with that and, you know, any challenges you may have had to overcome or, um, you know, anything that has to do with it. And, and I want to make this the focus of the podcast. It's a little heavy, heavy topic, but uh, I think it would be um, inappropriate if we don't at least bring it up and discuss it. So uh, I don't know, Delaney. What about you as as a female in STEM? Have you have you have you experienced any any I guess um, at, preconceived notions or attitudes uh, about females in STEM? Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna do my best with this question. Uh, I hope I don't say anything stupid. Um, But I joined environmental engineering my sophomore year, and at at least at the University of Delaware, that is probably a 50-50 mix of male-female students. And so in that aspect, I didn't really have, it wasn't wasn't too difficult to kind of find my place, and I don't think there were really any struggles there. Um, Coming into ocean engineering, that's a little bit of a different story. It seems like it's predominantly, it's mostly male-dominated. Um, And I've noticed that there's a lot of, there's a few girls like me who went from environmental into ocean, but we're all kind of interested in that NMBF coastal application. But if we look at the other side of things, like your offshore drilling and some of your more like computational heavy subjects, that's primarily male dominated. And so a lot of our entry level classes, no matter what your field is, your entry level intro grad classes are the same. And so we're all mixed in together it's mostly male dominated and that's where I've noticed some issues this year, at least um, in the beginning of my grad studies. I think I I don't want to like get anyone in trouble, name names or anything like that. I just think that in my personal experience, I've had to speak up a little bit louder because 
there are some male voices in the crowd that think they know best and that their way is better and they're not used to women kind of challenging them on certain points. So that's where I've noticed the biggest difference. But in my undergrad, I was really lucky. We had a 50-50 blend and the classmates that I was with were really understanding. But in grad school, it's a little bit of a different story. Well, good for you, good for you for standing your ground and speaking out when you need to as a as a as a girl dad you know my daughter is is a is a very bright uh in math and physics and you know i don't know that she wants to follow in in the in the engineering pathway but um you know certainly would encourage her to always speak out as, as well and to you know stand her ground and make sure that her voice is heard just as loud as anybody else's um, how about, how about yourself, Brennan? Have you had any, um, experiences, uh, you know, dealing with STEM in, in ocean engineering? Well, first I would like to touch on the, the luncheon speaker. I, I, I thought it was an absolutely amazing presentation. Um, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say it was certainly a highlight of that day and, and of the conference itself. Um, it was great to hear about Bruce's beach being returned to the original family and, all the work to restore the historically black beach reminds me of a historically black beach back home in Annapolis, Maryland called Cars Beach, um, which was a cultural hub during the Jim Crow era. And very excited to hear that it's being renovated as a public park and to see its history come to light and certainly be visiting once it's completed. But I think obviously for minority kids, high schoolers and college students and myself, especially like representation is, is really, really important. And I'm, I'm thankful, incredibly thankful that growing up, I could come home every day to two very well-educated engineers for parents. Um, and, you know, they always made it a, a, they always did a great job of making sure that my siblings and I knew we could do whatever we really put our minds to. But a lot of people don't have that, that same type of support. So there's some amazing programs out there that I think do a great job of working to provide role models and opportunities. Noah, for instance, I think does an incredible job and, you know, hopefully I can pay it forward someday and be a role model. Yeah. So going off of what Brennan said with representation matters, I will say that's one thing my undergrad was lacking. I think in all of my engineering classes, only two of them were taught by women out of a bunch. I don't know the exact number, but it was a lot of classes and only two were taught by women. And uh, I know when I was looking at grad school and looking at potential advisors, there were very few female coastal engineers that were interested in my field. And I know my field might be a little bit niche, but overall, there weren't that many female coastal engineers. And I think as a woman in STEM with a little sister who I'm hoping gets into STEM, um, it's really important that we have more women in academia in these fields kind of trying to lead the way for other women that are coming up behind them. 100% agree. And what you said made me reflect on um, my professors through undergrad and grad school. And now that I look back on it, at URI in the OE department, there were zero female professors who taught classes. One female professor, or I guess just a researcher, Annette Grilly, uh, Dr. Annette Grilly, she was just she just did research. She did not teach. And when I was leaving, uh, I think when I when I finished my master's, they had just hired the first like associate research professor who was a female uh, in the department. And 
I never really thought about it until right now. And I do hope that that trend does continue. But honestly, it's a uh, uphill battle, I think, Uh, you know, just trying to be a presence in the room to having to speak louder than our colleagues sometimes is uh, certainly a fight for uh, women in general, women of color, especially um, in in a professional setting, for sure. You know, it's one of those things that I, I sit here and I, I, I host this show now for 18, 18 months in a row here with Marissa. And I know what Marissa you know, does for a living in um, digging deep into the numerical modeling and the wave modeling. And obviously that's such a computationally heavy subject. And, you know, I, you know, it's one of the, you, I almost take it for granted that, you know, there's, there's, you know, a hundred Marissa's out there doing this, but the reality is that, you know, it, it's, that's it, not the case and it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that. So, um, I think you bring up a good point about certainly the the lack of representation amongst the faculty um, in all engineering disciplines. Ocean and coastal is no different than 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 any other, and I think we do need to do a better job of uh, figuring out how do we get those really talented, um, uh, well, women and minorities into those faculty positions because I know I've I've been very fortunate that uh, I think more than half of my students, um, masters and PhD, have been female, and so I kind of I, I I see it, you know, when I look externally, um, and I don't think it's anything necessarily. I guess that is special about you know. There's no reason for it. I I don't know. Um, perhaps maybe Delaney, you might have hit on it because I do do a a good amount of. And NBF um, engineering with nature work, so maybe it's just the nature of that topic that um, is something that draws females to the to my group. But uh, you know, I think we definitely have to do a better job of drawing in the students, right? Cultivating the students, and then ultimately um, making sure that they get the opportunities that are that are deserved, um, and um, you know, can pay it forward, like you said, Brennan. Um, I think that's really important. So um, that's a very heavy topic for the Going Coastal podcast to uh, jump into. Um, and thank you. Thank you, Delaney and, and Brennan, for being willing to to kind of discuss that. I, I don't want that to be the focus of this podcast necessarily. Um, so uh, I want to get back into something maybe um, a little bit lighter. Um uh, it has to do with, I think you both kind of touched on the fact that you've taken advantage of the opportunities that have been presented to you or that you not even presented to you, that you went and found, I guess is more appropriate to say it. Um, so what kind of advice would you give to uh, students or young professionals that kind of want to want to follow in your footsteps that, you know, want to, you know, go to grad school, um, win these awards, win these fellowships, spend time at Erdic. Like, uh, how does, how does a, a young up and coming undergraduate student, uh, do that? I think it's, it's honestly just, at least in my experience, just been being comfortable enough 
to just message people on whatever platform, email, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever it may be, and just have a conversation and, and pick their brains. There's been so many um, professionals over the last four or five years that, you know, I, I wouldn't know half the things, half the programs and opportunities out there if I if I didn't talk to them. Nick Brown, for example, the most recent has just been an amazing, you know, soundboard for, for ideas and, and paths to go down. So I would, I would really encourage people to, you know, talk to your professors, find somebody um, that, you know, does work that you're interested in and can find a passion in and see what, see what road it, it takes you down. Very cool. What about you, uh, Delaney? Yeah, kind of to echo that, um, my best advice would be just ask for help. Um, that's really how I got where I am. I reached out to Dr. Paleo, and then he introduced me to someone in his group, and then I reached out to Mora eventually, and um, then I reached out to someone else and ended up getting an internship at Erdic. So it's kind of like Brendan was saying, like don't be afraid to reach out to people and then ask about those opportunities. And I also just want to plug, if you're an undergrad, grad student, whatever, and you're needing help trying to navigate everything, don't be afraid to reach out to me. And I'm sure Brennan would be happy to help you because he was so helpful for me. Um, but yeah, definitely ask around, ask for help. Almost every, I'm pretty sure everyone I've met in the coastal field is very friendly and very willing to help. So, and like I said earlier, everyone knows everyone. So if you find one person, you will get to where you need to be. Beautiful words to live by for a young undergraduate uh, looking at whether or not to pursue grad school, to go into academia, to go into industry or other such profession. Great words to live by. I would echo that and add uh, finding a mentor. Um, it sounds like both of you guys had some good mentor experience in your academic pursuits, whether it was coaches or other uh, folks that you met, such as uh, Jack Puleo or Maura Boswell uh, or others in the actual coastal profession. It sounds like you guys had uh, a good experience with both um, athletic and academic, uh, formal academic mentors in some way. And that has certainly shaped you into the amazing young people that you are today, winning these awards killing it at Erdic. I'm so excited to have you guys hopefully come back for another season at Erdic, a season, uh, another summer at Erdic, you know, uh, that would be great to have you. So I just wanted to wrap up with, you know, what are you guys' future plans? Um, so Delaney, you're a PhD student, Brennan, you're a master's. Um, where do you see your lives going following finishing your current academic pursuits and where do you see your lives going maybe with ASPPA oh okay this is a tough one um I am a big planner I like to have everything figured out and in this case I just don't think I can do that um I'm not my PhD will probably take a little bit and so the idea is to hopefully work with Erdic for a little bit I don't want to entirely rule industry out but right now research has my heart and then Brennan and I might have a pact somewhere when we're like 40 to be office mates again. So we might end up there. But um, for now, I'm just going to take it day by day. Hopefully stick around and research, though. Awesome. Happy to have you back. And Brennan, what about you? 
So once I graduate, I will be joining the Jacksonville District of the Army Corps um, through the Department of Defense Smart Scholarship Program. I'm super excited for that. I'll be in the planning division working on um, coastal storm resilience um, management projects. And, you know, one of the biggest things I love about the coastal engineering field is how you can have a direct impact on a community and improving the quality of life and it was always one of my goals growing up to use whatever I was interested in and passionate about to help people. And I think being at a USA district office is is really a perfect place to experience that firsthand and see see your work come to life. You just have to be careful. There's a lot of gators that work down there. So <laughs> <laughs> you got to run in a zigzag to avoid the gators. Learn that. All right. Very cool. So um First of all, I just want to say thank you to our our two guests here today. Um, it's been amazing. Um, I, I always enjoy, as much as I enjoy all of our guests, um, I really, really enjoyed speaking with the students, um, you know, just getting to hear about their stories, where they came from, how they got interested in uh, the coastal field, um, all of the ambition, all of the energy, um, all of the, you know, the bright future that's ahead of you. So, um, you know, you guys are, you're both on a, on a great path and, um, uh, I'm very glad that you chose coastal, um, because I feel like you'd be successful in whatever you've chosen. Um, but, uh, uh, best of luck to you as you move through your career. And I'm sure that, um, we'll be bumping into each other at future, whether it's ASBPA coastal conferences or other coastal conferences. And I'm actually looking forward to it because as Marissa said, we don't often get to put faces to names. So, or faces to voices really is, is what it comes down to. So, um, look forward to meeting up with you at some point. We want to thank you both so much for being here, for participating. I was so glad to see you guys at the National Coastal Conference and be able to ask you in person to be a part of the Going Coastal podcast. That was a first for me as well. And I'm um, super happy that you guys were interested and available to join us today. And I really enjoyed learning about your experiences. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. I'm not going to lie. We were kind of freaking out. We were so excited that you asked us to be a part of your podcast. Um, and it's been a great experience. So thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for inviting us. You do a great job on the podcast. I've listened to a couple before. I'll definitely be listening to this one <laughs> and uh, all the podcasts going forward. So thank you for putting this you know content out there for, for viewers to, to listen to. Viewers? Listeners, who's Listeners. viewing things here? <laughs> no You're one on sees that. my face. <laughs> uh, this might be, I don't know if this is related or not, but how should listeners listen to this podcast? Like, is it the Apple Podcast app or Spotify? So you can find Going Coastal wherever you find your podcast. Just search for the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Going Coastal will be one of the 16 amazing shows on the network. All right, we're going to get some more listeners, Marissa. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this month's episode of the Going Coastal podcast. Um, for anybody that's interested, uh and you want to be seen and heard where it matters, share your story in Top Coastal and Ocean Podcasts and on Coastal News Today. 
If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, uh, please contact Tyler Buckingham at tyler at coastalnewstoday.com or go to coastalnewstoday.com backslash advertising. Thanks again so much, Brennan and Delaney, for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having us. I was really excited to be a part of this, and I can't wait to tell all my friends and family to go listen to this podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you.